Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. The theme of this sermon is breaking the curse. Two weeks ago, we spoke about breaking... Uh, what was it? Breaking the silence. I've been breaking so many things all week. <laughs> We had a men's retreat this week, and we broke curses there. Oh, my God, it was amazing. It was amazing. And so we spoke about breaking the silence because it's a, one of the ways to break curses is through your mouth. The Bible says you have the power, life, and death is in your tongue. And so you have to do away with the silence, how the devil silences us from experiencing deliverance. So that's why it, 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 it's no coincidence that for you to be saved, you have to confess with your mouth. It's, there's something that happens between your believing and your speaking dynamic that happens in the spirit that then that qualifies us to be saved. And so breaking the silence and then break curses. Today, we left off last Sunday that I was going to talk about and define uh, uh, three terms, which is sin, transgressions, and iniquity. And, I, and I'll just jump in and do that right now. Uh, when we talk about sin, uh, there's a verse in the Bible that, that pretty much, to me, is, is, is important to understand the condition of man as it pertains to the book of Romans. It was written to a very peculiar church. It was a Christian church composed of Judaic Christians, which means these were Jews that got saved to, to Christianity. But then you had pagan Gentiles who worshiped other gods, but not Christ. And so the church now, it wasn't a Judaic Christian church. It wasn't a Gentile Christian church. It was a hybrid between Judaic Christians, Gentile Christians, worshiping together with different backgrounds. Judaic Christians still believed in the covenant of Moses. They still believe in the circumcision. Paul, Paul is addressing those Jews that still live to the whole circumcision issue. But then he addresses the pagans, the, the Gentiles, who worshiped other gods. So th th this was a very different ministry where Paul is reaching. And so chapter 1, he addresses one group, Judaic Christians. Chapter 2, and part of 3, he addresses pagan Gentile Christians. Because here's what was happening at the church. Judaic Christians were throwing at the Gentile Christians. And Gentile Christians had issues with the Judaic Christians because they felt they were more religious, more holier because they come from Abraham. And Paul, that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 3, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, look how he says. He's speaking to both groups. He says, for all have sinned. Don't think you're better than y'all and you don't think you're less than them. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there the word sin is not what we think when we think of sin. When we talk about sin, when you talk about sin, here's what you're thinking. Lying. Smoking cigarettes. Watching pornography. Being unfaithful to your wife or to your husband. But that's not sin. 
if you read the don't quote that yet. Let me explain. Don't get up and leave. Let me explain. It's not so. When you read the book of Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, self-control, right? But right before you read Galatians 5, 22 and on, you have to read Galatians 5, verses 1 to 20. Because Galatians 5, verses 1 to 20 is not going to speak about sin. It's going to talk about the works of the flesh. Within the works of the flesh, you have liars, adulterers, all those sins, that, all those things that you call sin, Paul says those are works of the flesh. And sometimes, asking God, that's what the Bible says, you, have, you don't receive now because you don't know how to ask right. And sometimes what we call sin is works of the flesh. And so the question is, so then what does sin mean? What, what does sin mean? Because when you smoke, smoke is not a sin. Smoke is the effect of a sinful life. Adultery is not the sin. Adultery is the outlet where your sinful life expresses itself. Because adultery is... So what is sin? Well, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the word sin is, or literally means, to miss the mark. Somebody say, miss the mark. I want you to look, think, think of an, arch, an archer, a guy who has a bow and arrow, right? He has a, he has, he has a, a target, and then the target is around with, with the white and black lines, and then in the middle there's a red bullseye. A guy, an archer takes a bow and arrow, right? And his goal is to put the arrow where? The bullseye, in the middle. Now, he may throw the arrow, let, you know, put, put it in the arc, it back, let it go, and it's flying, and it's flying, and it's flying, and it's flying, and it doesn't hit the red part. It hits the circumference of the red part, and he lands, and he's like, yes, I did it. Woohoo! In archery terms, whenever you throw an arrow, and it doesn't hit the red part, even if it hits outside, that term is called sin. Because sin is not hitting the mark. It's missing the mark. All have sin. What Paul is saying, everybody missed the mark. Y'all Jewish Christians that think that y'all better than them, y'all missed the mark. Y'all Gentile Christians that think y'all unbelow, y'all missed the mark. Because you try to do it by sacrifices, and you try to do it by killing animals, and you try to do it by being in the, in, in the temple, and you miss it. Miss the mark. So sin is to miss the mark. That's why we're all sinners. That's why you say, well, well how could a bit, an infant be a sinner? He hasn't smoked drugs. He hasn't lied. He hasn't cussed. Is that he doesn't have to do that because those are effects of a sinful life. I have sin. Everyone here has missed the mark. So that's what sin is. Sin is to miss the mark. That's why, listen to me, listen to me, y'all. There's more to being a holy person then, and I said this last Sunday, than living a ritualistic life. Some people, we justify our sinful life by doing rituals. The 
that doesn't make you holy. You could, the Jews were the most ritualistic sinners. That's why Jesus had to come down to the earth because everything they did in the tabernacle, in the temple, with the sacrifice, none of that, all that fell short. But Jesus had to come down to the standard so that now in Christ, I can live a life of victory. So that's what sin is. So then my next term is transgression. What does transgression mean? Let me give you the definition. The definition of transgression is wrongdoing. It means a violation of a law. It means to pass over or beyond. It's, 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 it's like those of you that like to play basketball, right? Outline. And many people like to live life on the line. You have all this space here. You want to you live. And then Sunday. Have no rival. And then Tuesday. And then Sunday. Now and forever, God, you reign. And then Friday, Thursday. www. I shouldn't be going to this website.com. It's a boundary that God established. And you like to live life on the edge. And this is the danger zone because, because if the transgression continues, here's what happened. Sin, falling short. Whenever you fall short, whenever God says, this is how I want you to live, and you don't live like that, you are opening the door to live life in transgression. That's why, that's why. And when you live in transgression, transgression will evolve into iniquity. Iniquity is the end result of transgression. Transgressions is the end result of living life below God's standard. Listen to me, listen to me. People that commit all these works of the flesh, you know why they do it? Because they live life being the standard of God. Think about it. It's impossible for you. You're reading your Bible, right, and watching porn sites at the same time. It's impossible for you to be speaking in tongues in the Holy Spirit, sleeping in a bed with a woman that ain't your wife. It's impossible for you to be praying in the Spirit and doing, drinking alcohol at the same time. Whenever you lower the standard, and that's why when we talk about sin, sin is everything God says do, and you say, ah, I don't have to do all that. That's, that's just fanatic, fanatical Christianity. When the Bible says read the word of God, study the word and show yourself approved, and you don't study. When the Bible says pray without ceasing, you don't pray. When the Bible says the things that you have to do, every time you lower the standard of God, you're sinning, and your sin was going to open the door to transgression. Which is, I'm going to live as close as I can to sin. And if you stay there long enough, you're going to fall into iniquity. Which iniquity means, let me give you a definition. The definition of iniquity, of iniquity is to bend. It means to pervert. To yield to a specific sin. Iniquity is when you, to the point that it now becomes a part of your character and your nature. 
that thing you started out doing because everybody did? Because you lowered the standard. Now you can't live life without doing that. That's iniquity. Iniquity is a bend in your life where you cannot walk straight, you cannot live straight, you cannot act straight, and everything about your life is as bend as the iniquity you're committing. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. No one in this room is exempt from iniquity. If you sin, which is lowered the standard of God, you are a candidate to fall into transgression. And you are a candidate to become bound by iniquity. That's what Paul says. Walk in the spirit. That's why he says, he says walk. If you walk in the spirit, he don't say you're not going to sin. He says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Which is the works of the flesh that he says in Galatians chapter 5. When you walk in the spirit... Your spirit life will give you the strength to say goodbye to those things that the enemy uses as an entrapment to keep you bound away from the standard of God. Hear me. Iniquity is so dangerous because a person who lives a life of iniquity can easily trend that iniquity and transfer it to your offspring. If the family tree is not cleansed from the iniquity, then it'll be transferred into the offspring. Have you ever seen a girl or a daughter fasting? And you're like, oh my gosh, she's just like Kobe Bryant. Have you ever seen a, a guy, he's a player, have you ever seen an alcoholic? And you're like, oh my God, he's just like his uncle. Iniquities are transferable. And when you look, when you look at who you are in connection to your family, you're going to see that a lot of the things that we do, listen, everything we do is learned behavior. Somebody taught you how to walk. Somebody taught you how to talk. Somebody taught you how to eat. No, 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 don't, don't, don't eat with your fingers. This is a fork. This is a knife. This is a napkin. Sit your posture straight, right, right? They teach us those things. Everything we do is learned behavior. So either we're going to learn it from our family tree, that's one way, or some of us are going to not do our role in our homes and consequently, the people in the street are going to mold our children. So there's two ways of getting curses, but I'm going to focus speak about the family tree one. Listen to me, church. This is why you could bury a family member in your home and their spirit is still operating in your family. This is why there are people that we love that died that were horrible, horrible. Were malicious, that were evil, that were that was that was so much in debauchery. And, and and although they're dead, their spirit is in our generation. And let me tell you this, man. Some of us right now are dealing iniquities that our forefathers never dealt with. Some of us right now, why am I like this? Why am I angry all the time? Why am I why am I bitter? Why am I why do I keep doing this? Why? Why? And the reason why is that has been transferred to us. Has been transferred to us. 
We're living life because of transferred curses. Listen, listen. Joseph in the Bible was betrayed by his brothers. Y'all know the story. Where did, that, where did the spirit of betrayal come from? From his father. Jacob betrayed his brother Esau. And his brothers don't know what they're doing. They, they, they're not make, connecting the dots. But, 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 but the spirit of betrayal happened between Jacob and Esau, his brother. And then Jacob has 12 sons. And then now his 11 sons betray his youngest son, Joseph. And what happens is he ends up in prison. He ends up in a pit. They try to kill him. Why? Because when you live life in iniquity, it can go to your offspring. But somebody has got to the curse over their family. You gotta go back to the rules. You can't just come up here, oh Lord, cleanse me, Jesus. Oh, Lord, Lord. No, no, no. You gotta go back to the rules. Listen to me, church. Every curse, every curse has a cause. There's no such thing as a curse coming in your life by luck or by chance. Adam and Eve. God had a plan with Adam and Eve. God didn't just make Adam because he had nothing to do with his fingernails and he, ah, let's make somebody. No, when God made Adam and Eve, he had a plan. God had a plan with them. But just as the same as God had a plan with Adam, Satan had a plan with them as well. Now, here's what's crazy. Both Adam and Eve were innocent when God made them. And here's the challenge about innocence. And this is why the devil, listen, the devil does his best work through innocence. Why? Because innocence does not know consequences. Innocence does not know consequences. And God tells Adam, Papa, Papa, don't eat from the tree. You can eat from everything in the garden. But from the tree of the knowledge and good of good and evil, don't eat of that. Because if you eat from the tree, you're going to die. But innocence doesn't know what death is. Innocence doesn't know what consequence is. This is why your kids, this is why your kids don't understand sometimes when you tell them, I, I don't want you to go out with that person. That's not the right boyfriend for you. And, and you there like, ah, you just don't want me to have nobody. You know, you can have a girl boyfriend and you just, just, no, 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 mama, mama, mama. I've been there, done that, got a bag of chips and a t-shirt. I know what's, I, I can see a, a, a curse a mile away. But sometimes, because that child, that 13-year-old, that 14-year-old is still innocent, he doesn't know, she doesn't know the outcome of that reality. Innocence is the devil's arena to establish curses. The woman was Satan's victim. Oh, so she doesn't know. She's innocent. Okay, and you know what the, the devil did? He disguised himself in a serpent. Now, in the, tens of the, in the times of the Bible, Genesis, the serpent wouldn't drag itself on the floor. The serpent would stand on his tail. Just, can you imagine a serpent like this? The serpent was one of the most beautiful creatures in the, in the garden. And she comes. <laughs> look, look, look at what she does. The serpent, she wraps around the tree. The serpent is beautiful. She's attracted. Eve is attracted by the beauty of the serpent. 
And what does the serpent does? He puts its, his beauty on the thing God said, don't touch. Don't touch. But the, but the, but the serpent is beautiful. Innocent. The woman doesn't know everything because to be innocent is to be absent from knowledge. Is to not know it all. See, 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 we as we as parents, we as parents, one of our responsibilities is to protect innocence. As a father, I have to protect innocence because once innocence is broken, there's no turning back. So I protect innocence. When my, when my kids were small, one, two years old, no, no, I can talk to them about sex. How am I going to tell my three-year-old son, this is a condom, this is sex, this is... His mind is not ready to comprehend those terms. So what was I teaching my three-year-old? A, B, C, D, E, F, G... Do you honestly feel that God put Adam and Eve in the... They were innocent. They were not prepared to understand what sin was. So God was giving them time to grow and mature to the point that when it was presented to them, they could make the right choice between good and evil. But they weren't ready to know what evil was yet. The devil who doesn't care, because he's after your innocence, he says, because innocence, listen, innocence doesn't know good or wrong, but innocence is attracted to curiosity. Innocence is always curious. So the devil says, to, to Eve. Also, God said not to eat of the tree. Let me read the Puerto Rican version of the devil. He said, Mama, no, Mama, you're not going to die, Mama. What's going to happen is you're going to be like God. Curiosity. Knowing both good and evil. Now, innocence became curious to know what it is to be like God. When Here's the, here's the crazy. She was made in his image and his likeness. But he tricked her into being curious, and curious led her to sin. So innocence has got to be protected. Because once it takes a hold of innocence, oh my God. The woman was Satan's victim. And now she yielded to temptation. And you would think, and you would think, you would think. That because now she was victimized by the devil, the book is going to stop with her. But immediately after she became a victim, she turned from a victim to a perpetrator. And she now made Adam a victim as well. Instead of saying... Adam, whatever you do, don't eat of the tree. Adam, whatever you, I went through it. It was crazy. Oh, my God, look, I'm naked. Oh, my God, don't do it. Instead of, instead of protecting, because you only give what you have. 
victims will always, victims who were abused will abuse others. People who are broken will break others. People who are hurting will hurt others. Because you can only give what you receive. It's crazy how the victim, Eve, is now the perpetrator. Instead of avoiding Adam from eating from the curse, she offers him to eat, causing him to become a victim of the curse. And that went on. Adam and Eve. Eve, shortly after, Cain killed his brother Abel. And it went on, and it went on. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 1, no, chapter, chapter, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. The chapter, it, it got so bad. Victims becoming perpetrators, and perpetrators becoming victims. And vic- it got so bad that by the time chapter 6 of Genesis came, the Bible said that man's sin was so horrible that it hit, it hit God's nostrils. And that's when God sent the flood to kill humanity. It got so bad. And it, was, it, it started out one woman, one man. One man, one son. One son, a brother. A brother, another brother. And it went down and down. And the curse of chapter 6 of Genesis, when God destroyed the whole earth with the flood, didn't start in the flood. It started way back when, when two people didn't make the curse. That's what I'm here to tell you. The curse that the devil has thrown in your life, he's not even thinking about you. He's after your granddaughter. He's after your great-granddaughter. He's after your great-great-granddaughter. But he's got to go through somebody, and he picked you. But I'm here to tell you, it's time to break the curse by the power of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb. Got to break the curse. The enemy wants to see us because he wants to distort God's plan over our lives. And many are cursed with demonic spirits passed down from one generation to the next. Curses, curses, curses. And you may be here and say, well, Pastor, I'll do drugs. I'll smoke cigarettes. I'm not into porn. I don't lie. You're a liar. <laughs> Pastor, I never said a lie in life. Oh, yeah? I ain't going to get it. Can, can, can I give you a version of lies? Because lie, Listen, you may not say the opposite of the truth. I ain't, I ain't going to go there because I'm going to hurt some wee females up in this house. No, 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 no. Can I say that? Listen, girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, let me give you an example. When you put on a girdle, you're lying. That's not who you are. And you're giving an impression of something you're not. And for, for six hours a day, you're like this. Like a penguin. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> and everybody like, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. When you come, and, and all along, your zip, if your zipper could talk, you're like, oh Jesus, help us, Lord. Set us free from this bondage. We need deliverance. And once you get home and you unzip that stuff and all of you come out, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's not who you are. 
see, see, everybody's a liar in this place. You two fellas, that's not who you are. Take it out. Listen to me. Let me give you a curse that many of us don't believe is a curse. Are you ready for this? Generational poverty is a curse. Generational poverty is a curse. Yet many people accepted the spirit in their lives and they have passed the spirit of poverty into down into their generations. This myopic mindset, oh, don't worry about it. Just, just go get a job. You don't have to study. You know, you're in school. You know, man, check it out. That's a spirit of poverty. I, listen, I believe in welfare. My mom and my dad were welfare at one point in our lives. Welfare is a good program that the government gives to get people, get people to get on their feet. I believe in welfare. But you 30 years and you're still abusing the system of welfare? There are people, there are people that you that God bless you with section eight. And you and and the section eight that you have, you pass it down to your daughter, and then she's gonna pass it down to her son. No, y'all can't move here because the rent is only 299. You gotta keep that, you gotta keep that, keep that section eight. That's a demon and a, 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 a curse of poverty that says that says, no, 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 we gotta keep this, we gotta keep this, and, and, and it's a mindset that keeps you stuck in being broke. There are people that abuse the system. To get a welfare check. Hey, hey, uh, uh, the case where it's coming. Get out the house. Go get a job. Go get a job. And then, and then we cover it up. We cover it up by saying, no, no, no. Because, you know, Christian, a lot of Christians, they, 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 you know, everybody's driving in expensive cars and all this. And, 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 and this prosperity message, the devil is alive. Listen, let me tell you something about that stuff. Yes, there are people that are abusing, that are abusing prosperity. But that does not give you license to be bound by poverty. Listen to me. So many people have made prosperity a bad thing. And even Christians considered prosperity to be a bad word. Because of the spirit of poverty. And the best way they broke is to justify your brokenness. But look, look, what, look what the Bible says. The third letter of John, chapter 1 and chapter, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Leave that verse right. You know that many Christians, all they want to do is prosper in the soul, your spirit and your spirit and your spirit. And yes, prosper your spirit. But John is saying, I want you to prosper in every area of your life. When you prosperous in all things, you ain't got to be going crazy doing stuff because you're prosperous in all things. Here's another one. And in health. But when you're broke, say when you're broke, you're going to eat stuff, they're going to kill you. When you're prosperous, you can eat good. You can go to a whole food store and get organic, but you can get your organic stuff. Yeah, I have a high metabolism. Start eating grass and trees. I'm going to be in the bathroom. Listen, listen. 
But this is a spirit that, that, that has affected the church to keep us broke, to keep us poor, to keep us stuck, to keep us in a kumbaya spirit, to keep us. That's why Joshua, 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 jo Joshua was born a slave. Joshua was born a slave in Egypt. But when he came over from the Red Sea into the wilderness, and after 40 years he made it, right before he got to the Canaan land, um, the, the, the Jordan River and got to Canaan, he said, I don't know who y'all going to serve, but I'm going to tell my children, as for me and my house, my generation, we're going to serve God. We're not going to be broke. We're not going to be slaves. I got whipped in my back. My kids ain't going to get whipped in their back. I have to work hard. My kids ain't going to work hard. Come on to break the spirit and the curse of poverty so that they can have the land of the Hebusites, the land of the Hittites. You have been called to prosper. Because prosperity is not being rich. Prosperity means that you have the assignment in your life to be in abundance with what God places in your hands. Prosperity is not having a million dollars a year income. Prosperity is taking your $22,000 you make a year and live responsibly. Because you can make a million dollars, but if you, don't, if you suck at being broke mentality minded, broke mentality minded, broke minded, you can have a million dollars and still be broke. Abundance is, I'm making $22,000, I'm going to be the most God-honoring Christian with this $22,000. Now, I'm not going to spend everything in the latest sneakers that came out. I'm not going to spend everything in going this, going, no, no. I'm going to take my $22,000 self, and I'm going to honor God with my life. And first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make God a, a, a participant of my resources, and I'm going to give God my 10%, and with the rest, I'm going to live an abundant life. Now, listen, abundance doesn't mean having it all. Abundance means that when you go to sleep, you know, you're not worried that the creditors are going to call you in the middle of the night. Abundance means that when you wake up in the morning, cars are gonna be in the garage and it ain't gonna be towed away because you are responsible with what God your life. It's responsibility to be prosperous. It's not being rich. It's managing what God gives you in a way that honors God. And God made Adam. God made man. No, no part three to this. I'm finishing today. The devil is alive. God made man to be prosperous. Look what he said in Genesis chapter 126. Then God said, let us make man, mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the... Where, where does it say so they could be spiritual and speak in tongues and go to church? And, and No, no, none of that. God had them purpose to be prosperous fish and the birds in the sky over the livestock all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground so God created mankind in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them and God blessed them and he said to them be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish 
in the sea and the birds in the sky and everything creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face has a fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So when God made Adam, he made him to prosper. He made him to be blessed. When the devil saw that, he said, I got to get in there and I got to distort the blessing. But this was God's original plan for man. Block him. And multiply the blessing in his offspring. When the devil got in, he cursed him and he multiplied the curse in his offspring. And look at what happens. The devil comes as a serpent. Like he did to Eve. But he will eventually evolve into a dragon in your generation. Because his agenda is so deceptive that it looks good, but it's wrong. And so the devil has entered in our families in serpent form five generations ago. Today he is operating in dragon form in your life. And some of us are fighting the dragons of our forefathers. Because when they were serpents, our forefathers didn't overcome them. And today we're dealing with demons that our fathers had the power to destroy. Listen, listen. David, when he fought Goliath, that wasn't David's giant. That was King Saul's giant. King Saul was a contemporary to Goliath. Contemporary meaning same age, same age range. David, when he fights Goliath, he's a, he's a little boy, 12, 13 years old. But because Saul did not kill Goliath, because let me tell you, let me tell you this. When Goliath, Goliath was like nine feet tall. When Goliath was born, he wasn't born nine feet. Imagine a baby being born nine feet tall. It, Goliath wasn't born nine feet tall. Goliath was born a baby. Everybody knew that the Philistines were after the people of Israel. But what happened when Goliath was born? They let him, they let him, oh, he's so cute. What is he going to do? But, but the devil has a plan with that little boy to ultimately kill. The devil has a plan with that. That's why, that's why, listen, listen. That, 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 that. How many of how many you watched that YouTube video? Listen, Linda, listen, Linda, listen, Linda, 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 Linda. Come on, be honest, raise your hands. The Linda, listen, Linda, right? And y'all, and y'all, my God, so funny. <laughs> and some of y'all even liked it. If 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 that little boy was my son, and he talk about telling, listen, Linda, here's what I would have, I would have backslapped that kid because that's disrespectful. And we look at, oh my God, so funny. Linda, listen. Linda, and we has, hashtag Linda, listen. And everywhere, that kid deserves a slap. Because in 20 years, he, they ain't going to look cute when he tells Linda, listen, in front of everybody else. But sometimes we let, the, we tie things when they're in infant form. And by the time they become a Goliath, we are afraid to kill it. But there's got to be a David against me with a spear and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord. So David had to fight Goliath's giants. When he was a kid, they should have killed him. They let him live. That's why some demons you're fighting for and you're fighting with because your forefathers entertained those curses. 
to submit to you this, that all babies will grow. Every curse will grow. We have to break the spirit of deception. Through disobedience and because of deception, Adam and Eve lost their position in the garden. The Hi, what's a little cute one? What's a little, take a little bite. What's that going to do? Take a little bite. Because of that one bite, we're all in a mess today. What, what, what's the big deal? I, I just go and sleep with this girl just one time just to get over it, you know, to, to see that I still got it. What, what's that going to do? Uh, I, I'm going to just one time with the fellas, you know, the pit press is crazy. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to rob a bag and, and whatever, 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 whatever. If it were that easy, if it were that easy. God for Jesus. Look what Isaiah 53 and 12 says. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide spoils with the strong, because he, Jesus, poured out his life unto death for transgressors. I told you what transgressors mean. Standing in the line. Jesus was numbered with the transgressors. At the left of the cross was the transgressor. At the right of the cross was the transgressor. And right in the middle was Jesus in the middle of transgressors. And that's what he does. That's why he came. He came. He became a curse, so you don't have to be a curse. And he stood right in the middle of two transgressors. He stood right in the middle of two thugs. He stood right in the middle of, the, of sin. And he said, to one, if you accept me, today you're going to be in paradise. To the other, you reject me. You're, isn't that crazy? 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 Jesus was in the middle of two sinners. They were both as close to Jesus as the other. One of them was on his way to hell and ended up in heaven. The other one could have gone to heaven and went to hell. Salvation was there for both of them. But one said, God, remember me. You go to your kingdom. One said, God. I don't want to be cursed no more. The other one said, man, if you're the son of God, come down and take us down. But they both had the opportunity to be saved. You have the opportunity to break that curse. You have it. And he's standing in the midst of two transgressors. He's standing in the midst of our transgression. He is standing in the midst of our chastisement. He is standing in the, in the, in the, in the middle of our iniquity. For he was bruised for iniquities. Wounded for our transgressions, the chastisement of his peace was our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus bore our sins so that we don't have to live a cursed life. So as I close, would you please stand? We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.